Brandy, do you hear that knocking? No. There's a really loud knocking coming from my Are space. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Do you hear that? Listen. I mean, it might just be your apartment settling. You know New York City apartments. They settle. Settle? No, absolutely. That's, that's a lame answer. Well, sometimes, like, raccoons will get in, like, into the walls or, like, squirrels can get into the walls. It's probably just a squirrel. In Brooklyn, you think? They're just... No, this is, this is like a loud hammering. <gasps> Maybe you have a wife upstairs. Maybe I do have a wife upstairs. Or maybe my next-door neighbors are doing really loud construction. Sorry, y'all, for the sound you're going to hear in this episode. It is true. I have a wife upstairs. (laughs) Or my neighbors are doing really loud renovations. So apologize in advance for the sound issues in today's episode. This is what happens when we are recording live from home in a pandemic. Woo! Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is Are These Books Drunk? I hope so. (laughs) I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And our dear sweet mama Mariana is still away on maternity break. Dun, dun, dun. But this is your book club with a twist, and Brandy and I are still your happy hour girlfriends. Yeah, we are. And here we are to close out our penultimate book of season two. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. We don't apologize for our last episode. No. Okay, we women have to stop apologizing for things, and also, we can't be perfect all the time. Right. As hard as that is to admit, especially because Brandy is pretty darn close to it. (laughs) You are. (laughs) Last week, we continued our discussion on whether or not Brandy's theory was on the right track. We dissected Bea and Blanche's relationship even further, learned some shocking twists, played a silly top ten game regarding... Red flags. (laughs) And Brandy discovered about 40 minutes into recording that she hadn't read to the end of the Uh, chapters for the week. That's okay. It happens. She's usually perfect. Look, we packed in a lot, even though, yes, our cocktail pairing for you was a glass of wine. I loved it. Yeah, not mad about it. I was here for it. Yeah, me too. What's the next cocktail I'm here for? Well, we do actually have a cocktail today. Our bartender is back to work on creating delicious cocktails for us, and I'm super excited and a little nervous for the one that he's come up with for us today. Oh! Your cocktail pairing for today is called Up in Smoke. (gasps) If you finished reading the book, or if you know the ending of Jane Eyre, you'll know where the inspiration is coming from for this one. Mm-hmm. She's autumnal, she's smoky, she's got a spicy, fiery kick. Oh, I love all those things. And she delivers for the epic ending of this gothic novel. Yeah. Here to share the recipe for Up in Smoke is our smoky bartender, <laughs> Ricardo. <laughs> yeah. Ricardo. 
cute. You're like a ghost. (laughs) The ghost of the wife upstairs. Ciao, Brandy. Welcome to the bar. Hola. Como estai? How are you? Great. How are you? Good. You're ready for a little fire in this cocktail? Yes, let's do it. I didn't know it. That was one of your actually favorite ingredients. So I thought that maybe finally using Fireball in a cocktail. Could You're here to embarrass me. I do. I love Fireball. Could have been appropriate, and it's very appropriate. So it goes down easy. It's super easy, and it's super fall. So yes. I like it, and I tried love to create it. something that was with fire. Fireball Ooh, and with I wonder why. <laughs> and we smoke, so we're gonna use a smoky mezcal. So yeah. let's go deep down in the recipe. For this cocktail, we're gonna need uh, an ounce and a half of mezcal, three quarter of an ounce of fireball, a quarter of Woo-hoo. an ounce of lemon juice, and uh, an ounce of apple cider. In an addition for the cocktail, we're gonna create a very fall. Uh, rim on our glass oh. so uh, for the rim in this case I'm gonna wet the edge of the glass with a little bit of the lemon that we just squeezed and uh, my personal favorite is using an Old Spice uh, rim it has like a little bit of everything that you need to actually taste the fall yeah so, uh, we create this uh, rim and we shake and strain up this cocktail in a way that we can actually taste all the flavor profile because we have the cinnamon of the fireball, we have the smokiness of the mezcal, and we have the sweetness of the apple cider. Yeah, man, I've got to tell you, I was really nervous about mezcal and fireball together. I was like, what is that going to be like? But it's actually amazing. It works well. Yeah. Super well. This is going to be a perfect Thanksgiving Christmas yes. cocktail. Perfect. I'm glad you liked it. Love. Quindi alla, alla tua salute, Brandy. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. All right, woman. Chin cheers. cheers. Mm. Mm. I learned recently mm, mm, mm. that you really like Fireball. I'll kill you. I will kill you if you don't stop saying it. <laughs> it's not for public consumption. <laughs> well, that was the element I was nervous about because I really don't like it. Oh, no. How do you not like Fireball? Because I don't have that Texas flair for spice that you do. Like, it's like, ah, like ah, in my mouth. Oh, but it's, but it's like cinnamon. It's not spice spice. Is for that what me, you mean? it hits like a spice. It's like, it makes me go like, Interesting. Yeah. But I like I mean, this. I usually find that people who don't like Fireball are people who drank it way too much in college, got sick on it, and Ugh. then yeah, it's yeah, it's I can't recover. I like this drink, though. I freaking love it. Like, I think it'll probably be my go-to holiday mm. cocktail. Again, you just got to be careful to not, like, inhale that rim. Those dry rims really uh, mess me up. It always <laughs> reminds me of that episode of The Office when Michael Scott's eating the tiramisu, but claims he's not. You know what I mean? He's on the phone. And he's I haven't and they're like, seen Are you it, but I can something? only imagine. Does oh, he like no, inhale so the funny. cocoa? 
Yeah, he keeps inhaling it, and then he'll start coughing, and they'll be like, are you eating? And he's like, no, no, no. But then he'll eat again, and he'll start coughing again, and they're like, what the hell is happening? That's a real thing. So this is a Bartender Ricardo original. Mm-hmm. And if you really like it, and if you live in the Brooklyn area or in New York, you can go and try it at his restaurant because he's recently put this on their cocktail menu. Oh, my goodness. And this is not the first cocktail that Ricardo has done this with. He's he's created cocktails for us that end up on that menu or yeah. cocktails that are on that menu. And then mm-hmm. he, like, kind of tweaks them for us. So That's right. He knows what he's doing, that bartender, Ricardo. He's yeah, really, he's all right. He's up on his stuff. All right. Well, this week, I'm up on my stuff, bitches. <laughs> I read all of the chapters. I read all of the pages. I double and triple checked. You read the epilogue? Uh, You better be fucking kidding. You are kidding. No, I'm not kidding. What do you mean the epilogue? What do you mean? It's the (laughs) last... Wait, are you you punking me? No, the last thing I read is her being like, I think I saw them, but did I? And she's got the dog in the car with her, and she's rich now, and yeah. like, maybe they're in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. That's an epilogue? That was the epilogue. You did it was great. Was it titled epilogue? Yeah. Listen, I fucking read everything. <laughs> everything. All right. <laughs> After going to his house in secret... Jane learns that Trip was at the cabin that night Blanche and B disappeared because B called to invite him. What? Mm. Twist. He believes he was framed and he tells Jane to get the hell out of that house and away from Eddie. Jane rushes home and ransacks the house in search of a clue, which she finds in the note that B wrote to her to find in Eddie's pocket. After trapping Eddie inside the panic room, B and Jane play some mental cat and mouse while sitting at the dining table drinking a glass of wine. What's true and what isn't? Inside the panic room, Eddie takes a chance and sets the house on fire, seeing it as his only chance for escape. When Jane comes to, she's safe. Eddie is supposed to have died in the fire that burned down the house and supposed to have murdered Blanche and B. Trip is cleared completely. And in a lucky twist, Jane is named as the inheritor of all of Eddie's money and the entirety of the Southern Manor's fortune. Yes. Get it, Jane. Wow. Wow. Okay, wait. Before we get into this, because you know I'm dying to, (laughs) right off the bat, or shall I say the boat. (laughs) (laughs) This is a red flag. I can't do this. You have to tell me how drunk this book is. As you know, during a good happy hour, we can each, mostly you and Mariana, drink a full bottle of wine and then some. So, Brandy, do you give this book one glass of wine, a half bottle, a full bottle, or a bottle of wine and a shot of tequila, Mommy Mariana style? Uh... Oh, I'm going to no. be honest. I grappled. I grappled with, with this. Oh, I no. was originally going to say a glass. Of oh, wine. my gosh. But I do feel like I'm going to up it to, to a half a bottle because while I, I don't know that I enjoyed the book itself that much, I our convo about it 
I like loved the coming up with theories and the like, because we had several theories throughout. There were like all kinds of things popping up as we were discussing. And that I really loved. So for me, it's a half a bottle. That is so funny because I gave it a full bottle. Whoa. But I was going to give it half a bottle for just the book. But I also (laughs) gave it a full (laughs) bottle because our conversations and theories were actually what kept me really excited. So that is so funny. Same. But I still like the the issue for me was that, like, I really love gothic fiction and mm. you know when you're when you've read a book like Jane Eyre or a book like Rebecca like they're such classics and they're so well written mm. so it is a little hard even though this book was in some ways a completely different story from Jane Eyre it's so hard to like be able to compare it to that sure well I guess I have to give you props though because oh, someone <laughs> I feel like you were cheating because you have all these other sources that gave you good clues. But the fact that you even knew that B was an unreliable narrator, I can't believe you got that. Because I really was not in agreement with you on that. But actually, part of the thing that... Well, first of all, I've said unreliable narrator on how many books now and been wrong. Like, I've been waiting for this unreliable narrator. (laughs) And I have claimed unreliable narrator more than once, I think, on this podcast and been wrong. So part of it's luck. But part of it is also it came from you. It was you saying Gone Girl that got me thinking, like, wait a minute, what? And then I read those chapters that reminded me of Rebecca uh, and that also, that that was really the thing. The Gone Girl reference was the thing that kind of got me tipped off in that direction. Oh, interesting, which is and so Gone funny. And Gone Girl came from you, even yeah. though you're saying you didn't see that coming. You had some inkling somewhere. Yes, that's so funny. That was just gut for me because I didn't believe that she was an unreliable narrator. But you were right about so many things, like. I'm clapping but for you. But it was Jane Eyre. It was just Jane Eyre. Well, I know. That's how I was like, fuck. But I it's don't know. It's literally, I'm surprised that more people haven't brought up Rebecca in conversation about this book because it really is Rebecca and Jane. It's a Rebecca Jane Eyre mishmash. It's like if you mix those two books together, it would make a young adult version of this book. Do you know, I was talking to my mom on the phone like last week, I think, and she said, I don't even remember what it was in reference to what we had been discussing, but my mom said, it's almost like she was there all along. And I went, oh, are you quoting Rebecca? <laughs> because I only know that from what you told me, I still haven't read it. And she was like, oh no, but I love that book. <laughs> oh, your mom knew Rebecca? Oh yeah. Oh, you got to read that book. It's so I know, good. yeah. Maybe it's I'll so read that good. one next. And there are also so many things I wish I could say about the connection between don't the two books. Do it. But I really don't want to ruin yeah, Rebecca don't. for anybody. So once again, I will just plead with you. If you have not read it, go read it now. It's delightful. Well, you know what I am upset about? I'm upset about two things, really. Okay. One is that we never got answers to find out what Eddie was doing covered in sweat on the floor at the cabin. I thought for sure we would find out what that was. Well, we did get something, didn't we? Wasn't there something about a button that had gone missing? There was something about the button on the shirt, on one of his shirts that had gone missing that night. And I figured it must have been he was looking for that. Although... So that they couldn't place him being there? 
Yeah, but even that didn't quite make sense to me because it's his house. He could have lost that button at any time. Oh, so, like, I it wasn't quite clear on the significance that, of that. Oh, okay. It didn't seem like a big enough deal. Yeah, I wanted there. I wanted more of like a. I wanted more answers. I did too. Okay, so actually, I lied. There's three things I'm upset about. Upset about. Okay. The other thing I'm upset about is that we didn't get more answers about. We didn't get resolution with John, and I kept holding on to. Oh. I think it was actually from our first episode, or maybe second. Whichever one when John and Eddie have that fight in the parking lot and John, mm-hmm. Eddie gives John his business card. Yeah. I kept thinking there was going to be some bigger to do between the two of them. I, I agree. I thought John was going to be a foil somehow. And I felt like he kind of got forgotten about. Yeah. Similarly, the third thing I'm upset about is you know who really got left out of this book? Adele, the dog. Oh, Adele would know. Adele was a huge instigator, like, of a lot of things happening. Like, she is the reason that, what's his face? Eddie and Jane, like, that kind of, like, deepened their relationship because there was the dog, I think. And then we kind of forget about her. And then all of a sudden she's mentioned, like, at the very end when she moves in with Emily. And I was like, wait a second, where has she been the whole time? You know, and now that you say that, it is weird that, like, Adele, listen, I'm a dog lover and an animal lover. So animals, to as far as I'm concerned, animals are almost Number human. one. Yeah. They're pretty much human. Yeah. And so I, I did find it hard to believe that Adele wouldn't have seen Eddie bring her mama in, put her in this panic room. Like, wouldn't, have, wouldn't Adele have known hey, my mom's in there and been barking at this closet or something like that. I feel like Adele would have had some clue. Well, he did get Adele after she was put in the panic room, though. Ah, that's not her mom. Yeah, he got Adele after he met Mm -hmm. Jane. You're right. I don't know. It's Adele is not the protagonist here. I know that. But I wanted more attention paid to this poor dog. She was forgotten. But at least she well, survived the fire. Well, I have a fire. fourth thing that pissed me off, mm. and I'm actually surprised it wasn't one of your things because you were the one who was so clued in on this emerald ring oh. that never paid off. We never figured out what the fuck that was, even though it was such it was kind of a huge question mark. Well, for me, because it probably was nothing. Like I think it was a question mark because I kept bringing it up as being a question mark, but I think we don't find out no, about it because the second it wasn't you make actually it an a thing. emerald engagement ring, and, and you make it the same gemstone as one of your deceased main characters. Well, rings. and the details about like the metal being burnished, and there were enough yeah. details that I thought we were going to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It seemed like like a like a clue that she had built in that she forgot to pay off or mm-hmm. something. But wait, Brandy. What? We have a surprise visitor today. Who? Guess who's back? Ah! <laughs> hey, Mommy! Oh my goodness, this is insane. Hi, guys, how are you? Mommy Mariana. Mommy Mariana drops in for a visit. Oh, yeah. Have you missed me? 
Yeah, yes, of course we've missed you. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> it's we so amazing to see you. We cry about the fact that you're not here at the beginning of every episode. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, no. No. I oh, miss this so, so much. You. Both of you have no idea. And to all our n- listeners out there, I've this is I've missed this very, very much. Wait, so Mariana, why have you been gone for the last two books? Where have you been? Well, I want to, I guess I had never said her name on the podcast. So <gasps> yeah. I had a baby girl and her name is Lorette Bell Panaro. Oh, yeah. and she's the cutest little thing. Sorry, y'all, we've met her and you haven't, but she's the cutest little thing. She Maybe is one day special. we can implement like a, a video element of this and she can just like pop up and say hi if you want. Oh, we should or totally not. do that. We can also just keep her to ourselves. <laughs> she is really perfect, though. I think we should probably do that. But yeah, she was born on September 2nd, so she's almost two months now, which is insanity. That is crazy. I know. I yeah. feel like you just told us you were pregnant. I Yeah, it really does feel that way, yeah. even though a lot has happened since. So what was the last book you read with us? It was... What was the last book I read with you? Midnight Library? Yeah, it was a Midnight Library. Is that right? Yeah. It was the Midnight Library. It was a Midnight oh. Library. And I can't believe I missed the last two books. I really wanted to join in on the fun. Oh, what are you talking about? You've been doing way more important stuff. You've been busy. Absolutely. But I'll probably have to read those (laughs) on my own and catch up on the podcast and just listen to you gals do your thing. So wait a second. That clarifies it. Have you not been listening to our episodes? Oh, shit. I just... (laughs) Wow. I guess I have to clean... To be fair, I did say, I don't think she's listening. And Emma was like, she better be listening. Oh, and then no. we both were like, there's no way she's listening right now. Yeah, no, you've, uh, you've I, had your hands I full. wanted to, but <laughs> this whole mom thing is a thing. Yeah. How's it going? Um, It's incredible. It's magical it's the hardest job i have ever had in my life yeah but she is perfect and she is thriving and that's all i can ask for and you're killing it you are amazing seriously thank you and shout out to your hubby who is also like right in there with you he is definitely in the trenches while trying to be back at work and doing and helping me as much as he can because yeah it takes a village every one yeah Yeah. (laughs) they do see it and it's actually true i'm living through through it and i know but luckily y'all have a very strong village yes well spearheaded by both of you the Tia mm-hmm. Emma and Tia Brandy you're Listen, part of that these village tias, these Tias are ready to come whenever we can these Tias are ready to jump in the trenches Yes, <laughs> we're ready to take some poop missiles <laughs> poop missiles Listen, that's happened to me before with a baby. Oh, it happens quite often, so don't worry. You'll yeah. experience it. <laughs> you might get what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. Yep, when you go over to Mariana's house, bring an extra shirt yep. because you never know. Or one of those hazmat suits, <laughs> just in case. Shit. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yep. Oh. Well, and do we have anything else to announce while you're here, Mariana? Oh, so I'm expecting. <gasps> oh my 
Don't do that to me. <laughs> no. Okay, Imagine. that's definitely not happening anytime soon. <laughs> the real exciting news <laughs> is that I'm coming back for the last book. Yay! Yay! I, I know you ladies are killing it, but I, I could not not be a part of the last book of this season. No, no we, we are ready you for you so back. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm sure our listeners have too. Oh, that's so amazing that you're going to be here to close out season two. I know. Season, two. season two. Can you believe we're already Whoa. almost at the end of season two, by the way? Whoa. No. We're four episodes away. Whoa. Oof. I'll tell you who's going to be happiest about Mariana coming back is bartender Ricardo, because it is lonely in that bar right now, y'all. <laughs> it's just me and him. <laughs> and I feel like you that wino who close. comes in Come at on. one o'clock for a drink every day. Like... Brandy has been sitting at the bar by herself for the last couple months. That's okay. No so judgment. Lonely. Well, I'm also psyched about that portion, that segment of our podcast. <laughs> I was because say, I will be able to join in in the festivities. Excited to see if you're going to actually go with Ricardo's challenge that he gave you before you left of having oh, to do one that. episode where you drink every cocktail that you've missed while you've been away. That's that eight, need to by be the like way. a video challenge or something. Definitely, but we're probably going to have to wait on that one since I'm still breastfeeding. But I haven't forgotten his challenge, and I'm up for it. <laughs> wait, wasn't there a cocktail that was like the revive, the to revive or something like that? Because I'm definitely going to need that after the <laughs> the corpse, the corpse survivor. survivor. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh no! Your tolerance has gone down. You're like me Big now. Oh, I bet it has. Big yeah. Time. It's the one beer, the one glass of wine, and I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Uh, I mean, that's me too. At 8 o'clock at night, if I have a glass of wine, I'm basically like an hour later like, yep, that's that's yeah. the day. We're going to call really? it. Really? It's the nightcap. <laughs> yeah. I can have a glass of wine at dinner. If I do any more than that, if, if I'm not out, if I'm out at a happy hour drinking, talking, engaging, it's different. But if I'm at home, chilling out, sinking into watching the couch. something... Yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah, that definitely doesn't happen with us because I haven't seen that out of you. Right? I know. <laughs> We've seen it out of someone here. <laughs> yeah. I know you all are talking about me. <laughs> I have photo evidence. That's true. Oh, really? That I can whip out. That's true. You can't That's deny it. That's my special it. skill. That's my superpower. Falling asleep at bars. <laughs> Well, this is really amazing to see you, Mariana. This feels like the old days, old school. It really does. And we're so (laughs) excited to have you back soon. Yay! Next episode. Woo! I will be looking forward to it very much. It's nice that I'll have my my mommy time by myself with you two. Yeah. 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 Happy hour is back. Yes. Mommy happy hour. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks for letting me come in for a little bit and say hey. Hey. Oh of course. God. We love you so much. We've missed you so much. Aww. We're so excited to have you back. And um, I'm sure everybody listening feels exactly the same way. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Any parting sure. words until next week, Mariana? It's good to be back. Yes. Yeah. Woo. woo, woo, woo. Ow, ow. Well, we'll see you next. We'll see you see next, you next week. week. See you next episode. Yeah, bitches. Bye. Yes, <laughs> love you. Love Bye. you guys too. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
book actually kept reminding me of My Sister the Serial Killer, which we read last Ah. season. And I was realizing that in that book, there's also a sociopathic character who others protect rather than bringing them to justice. Mm. And so I was wondering, why do you think Jane doesn't turn Eddie and be in? She doesn't find out about the money she's getting until well after she's spoken to the police. Like, why in that moment does she not say the truth? Do you what mean happened before the fire happened? No, after the fire. You know, when the house burns down and she wakes up and she's in the hospital and the police come and talk to her and they're like, oh, we think Eddie died in the fire. We found some of his teeth. But she knows she knocked out his teeth. Like, she knows Eddie didn't die in that fire. And they'd you make no so? mention of B. Absolutely, because I there's didn't so think that. Much... I thought maybe Wait. she assumed that they died in the fire. Oh, hell no! Wait, why? So you think that they? Tell me what you think. This is good. Tell I me don't what think, you think that happened. they died in the fire, but I think she thinks they did. You think she thinks that? But then, what did you make of in the epilogue <laughs> when when she thinks that she sees them in that parking lot? And doesn't she also say, like, she could see them being back in Hawaii or something? To me, it seemed like she knew they were alive. And it it also seemed that way because the writer made such a point of saying when Jane hits him and knocks him out before they lock him in the panic room, she knocks, knocks out a couple of his out. teeth, which is all they find of him. And I know from all the research I did on Devil in the White City that I'm sorry, y'all, bone does not just burn up like that. There would be bone fragments left if a body had, you know, been burned in a fire like that. So his teeth, it's not realistic that all they would have found were teeth. See, that's so interesting because I thought that we were getting that information to help us as the reader, but I never interpreted that as Jane knowing that. Or maybe I just kind of... Interesting. Maybe I need to go back and reread that. Because then that would be a really great question, like why she didn't say anything. But I guess... And I guess that would... The question of the timeline would really answer that because if she knew that she'd already gotten all of this money, didn't she get the call while she was still in the hospital? She didn't know about the money until after... For sure, because I was clocking this that This is what I get for reading the book too early before we record. <laughs> she definitely like had talked to the police. They said the bit about the teeth. She de- They say nothing about B whatsoever. She doesn't say anything about B being there. And then it's not for another little bit that the lawyer calls and informs her about the money. Well, then I have no idea. Yeah, because to me also it seems like if B is this ruthless sort of killer she's a sociopath yeah who's not to say she won't come back for jane exactly like she's she's gonna just let you have her company that she built out of nothing and her hundreds of millions of dollars i don't think so do you think there's going to be a sequel to this book possibly but like i do also feel like maybe is jane kind of an idiot for like (laughs) not speaking up like why would you not say what happened yeah, especially because she was so gung-ho about calling the police when she was with B at the table drinking While wine, B which was, there. was so weird. That was so weird. But what was also weird about that is that how much of that was her really wanting to call the police and how much of that was her fucking with her because she didn't to believe To try to B. find the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's the same question of, like, why didn't 
Eddie turn beaten? Like, why did he keep her alive knowing all these terrible things? See, but that made that they at least tried to because make sense he of that loved by her. saying he's so in love with her. The only thing I could think of is that by the end of the book, we do realize that Eddie, B, and Jane are all kind of the same. I'm not going to say the same person, but they all have a very similar sort of background. And they all have a very similar, like, M.O. And so I I wondered a little bit if her not telling the police is because in some ways it would be like telling on herself. You know what I mean? Like, these people yeah. are exactly who she is. Well, the other question I have about that is that if they really did survive the fire and if Eddie and B have escaped together and are starting this new life together... That made me question, but does B really love him? I don't think she really ever loved him. So why I would she about continue to too. stay with him? Especially now if he's, I mean, it sounds like he's going to need some severe medical care. Like it kind of sounded like he's possibly a burn victim, like a yeah, severe probably. burn victim. But it's like, why not? If you escape that, then I assume she's just going to kill Eddie because she can't have him alive knowing that he knows, he knows the truth. what he knows about her. Although at this point, he's an accomplice. But I guess you're right. He could make up any story as to why he went along with it. You know what I have to say about this? What do you have to say about it, Em? I want to talk about manipulation. <laughs> yes. All right. This whole book was basically characters manipulating each other. Yeah, for sure. A quote I liked in the reading this week was, B had always believed that a man who overestimated his intelligence is a man who can be easily manipulated. Mm. Have you had moments, this has nothing to do with the quote, I just wanted to use the quote because I liked it. Have you had moments where you caught yourself being manipulated or being the one doing the manipulating. Wow. Yeah, I'm going there. You're, yeah, you're getting right to it. It's the last episode of the book. Let's go up in smoke with it. Yes, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Well, I mean, I'm sure like most people, I've had both. Mm-hmm. The story that sort of, it turned out well, so so. I shouldn't say that it haunts me, but I do still feel terribly about it all these years later. In my very early 20s, I was dating someone and it was, you know, you're in your early 20s. It's not the most mature relationship. You think it is, but it's not. Exactly. And we had been together in high school also. So like that, I feel like that makes it even worse, right? The immaturity level. And... We had been on again, off again for a long time. We were together for years and we're kind of on again, off again that whole time, cared about each other so much. But I think on some level, we both just kind of knew it wasn't right. And towards the end of our relationship, I knew that we had both come, we had both come from the same part of Texas together. And I knew that New York just wasn't for him. It was becoming abundantly clear Mm. New York was not for him. And I really loved New York. And as I've said on this podcast many, many times, I have never wanted children. But that kind of started to creep into the conversation every now and again of like what we would do once we left school and like how we'd have a family. And I'd be like, wait, 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 wait. What? 
maybe like, oh, no, no, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a family. Like, there would just be these little subtle touches of, like, family. Oh, no, just kidding. Whatever. Whatever it is. We went on this way for a while. Clearly, neither of us knew how or were mature enough to know how to end this relationship, even though it had clearly run its course. And so I ended up also knowing that he wasn't fully happy here. And I still had years of school left to go here. I ended up just being like, you know, what if you moved back? What if you moved back home? And then when I finish school, I'll go back too. Oh, no. But I was like, you're just, you're clearly not happy here. And like, I don't want to keep you here. Knowing that you were never going to go back. Knowing that I was never going back. Oh, shit. I think we both kind of knew what was going on, but it definitely was never... It was never said. The idea was always that I would be going back too, even though I knew that was never going to happen. Oof. And so he he did. Thankfully, he was much happier there. And he had he carved out a lovely life for himself there that I think was a lot closer to what he wanted than what would have happened if he had stayed here. It, it all ended up well, but I've always felt terribly guilty about the fact that I didn't just end it and be like, this is not working. Mm-hmm. And I I did this little backhanded maneuver. Well, you probably ended up helping him in the long run. And myself, for sure. Yeah, you know? yeah but definitely. Like, honesty is the best policy. And it, it mm. would have been a better thing to go about it the right way versus this like backhanded little like fake way. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it. I mean, I would say you have the excuse of being in your 20s, but, like, yeah. that doesn't really help me out for my answer because I'm oh, not in my 20s. Yes. <laughs> so I don't really want to say that. We're getting the good stuff this episode, y'all. No, I mean, not really. I was just going to give you, like, a blanket. Like, I'm not getting specific. But Tell us. I mean, Tell same. Us. Like, obviously both. Like, I definitely have been manipulated many times, mostly in relationships. Mm-hmm. especially this one I had in college. He just, like, always made me feel really guilty about everything. Like, he made everything seem like it was my fault. And I just always felt really helpless and, like, I was always guilty and that I was, like, a bad person. And Aww. I started going to a therapist, and she's the one that was like, it sounds like he's pretty manipulative. Oh, and I had never had, I had never had anyone be that outright or use that word, actually, yeah, in relation to one of my relationships. And I was like, oh. And I actually, I think I was, I was defending him. I was like, no, 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 he's not. But then once she said that, I couldn't unhear it. And then I realized, oh, that's what manipulation is. Mm. And so it helped me realize how to notice it. But it also helped me notice when I was doing it. And that has been really hard because I actually catch myself being manipulative more than I would like to be. What? I'm a Scorpio. Like, I think it's, like, in my Zodiac that that's, like, a quality that we have. I don't <laughs> see that in you at all. I'm suddenly suspicious. I know. It's it's shocking. I know. <laughs> but I'm not proud to say that, like, I have definitely been known to do so i mean i can even 
like my poor brother when we were kids, I was super manipulative of him. Yeah, but when you're a kid, like, does that really count? I mean, it started, I think, something, you know, I learned how to get, like, the bigger bedroom by, like, just completely manipulating him. You know, like... What did you do? (sighs) There was, like, the bigger bedroom and then there was the smaller bedroom. And the smaller... (laughs) It's actually kind of shocking that I remember the details of this because I think I still feel really guilty about it. I never remember things. But the fact that I still remember this is, like fucked up that shows you that I'm aware of what's going on in my head I think I had no what I had said to him was thanks Sam you're gonna want this bedroom that's at the top of the stairs so that when we're playing chase when we're playing tag you can escape faster because you're right next to the stairs and he bought it and he was like okay and he took the room for that reason you don't need to feel that guilty. When I was a kid, I we also, not a kid, I was maybe 11 or 12. We also had a house that had one bedroom on the first floor, but the primary bedroom and another bedroom were on the top floor. And I really wanted the first floor bedroom because it had this gorgeous bay window with this like little window seat. Mm-hmm. And so I said to my sister, my younger sister, Shibli, I'm so sorry she listens <laughs> to this. I was like, but you probably won't feel safe because it's on the first floor and like, you yeah. don't want to sleep by yourself on the first floor. Right. right. <laughs> and I don't know if she bought it or if she was just like, I'm not dealing with you with this. She like, gave it to she you. She might have just given it up. But yeah, I got that. I got that bedroom. I love you, Shablia. So yeah, sorry. I know, right? I'm like, sorry, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a bedroom. That didn't do any real harm. Yeah. But I mean, just a few years ago, even like I can't I won't go into details, but I was super manipulative of this relationship I was in and I knew it and I feel terrible about it. But similar to your story, it was easier to do that and to like hang on to him than it was to just be honest that I wasn't interested. And so manipulating kept him around, but on on the edge. Yeah. And he could feel it. We've never talked about it, but I, I do always kind of want to apologize and be like, I'm sorry I was, like, really terrible. Oh. Because I just didn't want to be honest. Well, okay. Since we're gossiping. Oh. I I was really interested in the relationship between B and Blanche. Because I remember last mm-hmm. week also, you were a little bit like, I don't really see what B has done that is so bad like it that didn't really register for you and for me I was like I totally get it even though I hadn't read all of the pages Mm -hmm. I was like Blanche must be feeling really suffocated and once I did read those pages I was like yeah like she we don't ever get her perspective but she clearly is feeling the need on several occasions to distance herself from B And I've definitely had, it's another point of guilt for me, but I've definitely had moments like that in friendships where I'm in a friendship that feels a little bit, I'm going to use the word parasitic. Yeah, it's it's harsh. It's a harsh word, maybe. Yeah, but but I know what you mean with it. It, You know, similar to how Blanche might have been feeling about B, this person is taking more than they give maybe in the friendship or that there was like an underlying motive to the reason that they're friends with you. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you've ever had a friendship like that that you are open to talking to us about. Well, I do. But 
just now hearing you phrase it like that, I was actually just thinking it actually never really was a friendship. Hmm. Like, we also were young. I actually think I've told the story on the podcast before, so sorry if this is repetition. But when I was in elementary school, I befriended the clique of the cool girls, and there was this one in particular. Her name is Abby, and she was like the queen bee of the group. And I thought she was so cool, and I wanted to be like her, or I wanted to be welcomed into the group. And she kind of took me under her wing, and I thought that we were friends because she was the only one that invited me over to her house. We would actually do things together, Mm. whereas all the other girls, we would just hang out at school. But, like, Abby, I would come over, and we would go on AOL together, She would paint my nails. Those were the days. I'm God. I really am so nostalgic for that. I know. I have dial tone. Dial tone. Right. Yeah. It it did. It used to dial up. God, I love it. Um. But it's now occurring to me that it never really was a friendship because I don't think that I was ever really a friend to her. Hmm. Which I guess actually answers your question because it was. Because she was just trying to get something out of it. And I think what that was is Um, she was hanging out with me because she wanted the challenge of making over, like, the nerdy girl. (gasps) Oh, my God. She's all that. Yeah. Please tell me. Oh, my God. Yeah. For a second. Yes, I've seen She's All That. Okay. Well, I didn't know. Okay. I know with my track record. But that movie I love. It is like she's all that. <laughs> she's all that. It's can't buy me love. It's there are like so many. It's Mean Girls. It's so many mean movies. Mean Girls. Yes, mm-hmm. I was the Lindsay Lohan. <sighs> Looked like her too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Must be something about freckles, you know. But so anyway, she um, and that was really hard for me once I realized that that was the case because I thought that I was just finally being accepted as one of the quote-unquote cool girls but she really just wanted to make me over wow there's the wife upstairs but reversely i don't think i think like you said parasitic is like a pretty strong word i don't think i've ever been on the other end of that where i was (laughs) the parasite but similar to what I was just saying about how in relationships I've been pretty manipulative to hang on to them instead of just being honest about it, them yeah. not being it, I've done that to friendships as well um, where I, I didn't really want to oh. be a part of them, but I felt bad about cutting the cord. And in yeah. one case, actually, she could tell and she called me out on it. And that was like terrifying i remember i think she said it in a text message but she was like hey if you don't really want to like be my friend that's cool because she was always the one initiating us hanging out i never once initiated it and i felt so terrible but even in her calling me out i still didn't have the guts to be like yeah okay like you're picking up on something i was like no 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 because i felt so terrible um and eventually just kind of like ghosted her. And I think she oh, realized. never responded? 
No, I did, but then I still never initiated. So, like, if you were to ask gotcha. her this question, I think she would say that I was the parasitic friend, which makes Aww. me feel really terrible. But I don't know if you qualify as a parasitic friend when you're not the one trying to hang out. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Okay. It wasn't like I was hanging out for a motive to get something out of it. Yeah, it's not like it. you were be Exactly. Mm. You just felt bad saying no. Mm. So you would hang out when they asked and you didn't initiate. Like, I don't think that makes you a parasite or a bad friend. Like, I think you were just being nice. I Maybe definitely wasn't too being nice. nice. Yeah. Well, it might not have been kind, but it was yeah. nice. Does that make oh. sense? I guess. Because the kinder thing probably would have been to t- just tell her the truth. Mm-hmm. But you were trying to be nice. You didn't want to hurt your yeah, feelings. Yeah, but sometimes nice is the devil. I know. Sometimes nice is a mean girl, even though you don't know it. You don't realize it. Do you know I just heard on a podcast recently? <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. The host, who's a female comedian, she said a lot of times women try to be nice. Like she said, the example she gave was when she was the boss to a group of men. And she was Mm -hmm. like, I had a really hard time being the one in charge of these men. And so I was acting indecisive where they would ask me a question. And I was like, "Uh, maybe this. I don't know. Like. Maybe this because she had a hard time just taking charge and saying what it was. So she tried to be nice, but she said actually she was being indecisive and that wasn't nice. She was like the nice thing to do would have been decisive because then I was putting all this extra work on them. And that I thought was really interesting. I'd never thought about that that like that before. She was trying to be nice, but she was doing more harm than good. And Mm. the nice thing would have just been – would have been to be blunt. Yeah. So I'm going to try to remember that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think take that's that so me. true is a lot of times we think we're being nice to people, but like actually the repercussions of our behavior are not nice, mm-hmm. even if we don't see that. What about you? Answer your own question. Ugh. Oh, no. Well, it's not that. It's not that bad. <laughs> I did have a friendship. Um... That was a, it was a real friendship. Like, we were really friends, but, like, I did just kind of start, there were little things that kind of just started to, I mean, similar to what you're saying, I was kind of starting to keep my distance sometimes for reasons that I don't know that I was wholly consciously aware of, but, like, pieces of their behavior was making me distance myself. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I realized the really big kicker for me was when I realized that I had gotten a callback for something that would have been like, I didn't book it, but it would have been like a, you know, a big deal for me. And I didn't want to tell this person about it because I was like, but if I tell them, I don't, I think they'll say they're happy for me, but I don't Uh... think they'll actually be happy for me. And I think they're going to be rooting against me. And I I just was like, I don't want that energy. I'll tell them later. And when I realized that I was thinking that way about that person, I was like, Mm. something weird. Red flag. It was a red flag. And I don't know that I could name. I think that's what was so hard about it is I couldn't pinpoint exact reasons or exact things that had happened necessarily that felt large enough to merit 
that reaction from myself, but there were like all these teeny tiny little like things that I was like piecing together and being like, something about Mm -hmm. this is making me feel not great. Mm -hmm. And it did just kind of start, and I, unfortunately, I did let that go on for a while where I was clearly just not in it anymore. And this person may or may not have felt it, but it did start it to feel a little you... bit. Sorry. Yeah, it just started to feel a little bit like that relationship was them almost like feeling good about when I wasn't doing great or something. Like yeah, it like just... a classic case of Schadenfreude. And you know why? Yeah. It's probably because they were jealous of you. I mean, I don't know if it was that so much as it was a like, I want to make sure we're still in the same place. You know what I mean? Like wanting to hang on to like we're both at the same level. Not that, like, me booking one thing or another, you know how it is with actors. Like, you might book something or I might book something. But, like, we're all still auditioning for something the next day. Like, Well, that's why, I mean, it was probably jealousy because you probably weren't growing at the same rate. Or, like, maybe you were booking or getting closer more frequently than she was or they he totally was. Totally possible. They were. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But it still sucks. But it sucks. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely still harbor some guilt about the whole situation because it definitely did turn into a ghosting situation, which I'm not proud of. But it is also the kind of situation that like I just didn't see going well mm-hmm. having an open conversation about it. Well, so here we've I'll uh, never know. <laughs> no more nice guy. I know. We're going to confront our demons. Yeah, we'll be honest guy, not nice guy. Well, as we are starting over with our new no more Mr. Nice Guy attitude. Yeah. (laughs) I realized at the end of this book that one of the main themes was about people being able to start over. Mm. B starting over her new life. Jane starting over her new life twice. She started over when she became Jane, and then she also gets to start over at the end. That's true. And then it occurred to me that that's actually been the theme in most of the books that we've read in both seasons. Like, if you go back and think about it. That's interesting. A lot of the characters get to start over. And I just think that that's an interesting thing to think about, that maybe that's a really common theme in literature that I've never clocked before. So I don't know. I'm just going to, like, throw that out there. That was definitely the case with Betty, and I'll drink to that. Mm-hmm. Definitely My sister, the, the case. serial killer. Yeah. Three women, kind of. Yeah. We don't necessarily see their start over moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely the vegetarian. Definitely, definitely the, the, van- the vanishing half. half. Yeah. Definitely the midnight library. Yeah. I would say even the push. Why, who, the mom? Yeah, I mean, I guess she does because she starts a new life without her husband. Sorry, spoiler alert. My friend Anna, even though we don't see it, we know that that happens. Right, right. It's like almost every book. And I'm like, how have I never yeah, realized that's a good call. that in... I hadn't either. Like, yeah. And I don't think that that's a coincidence that it's the books we've picked. I think that maybe that's just a theme. Universal. Yeah, because so many people can relate to that. And it's so cathartic, too. It's such a cathartic idea to be able yeah, to start to know that you could. fresh. Mm-hmm. 
I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great observation. Thanks, Brandy. <laughs> well, do you have any like last feelings about this book? Anything to like close out that you want to say about it? Any last impressions? I'm just happy for you that you were right. Oh, thank you. And I hope that there's not a sequel. Unless there's a wife downstairs. I would like that book. <laughs> I have to tell you, that was my favorite theory, that there might be a wife upstairs and a wife downstairs. I was like, I was having parasite flashes. I was like, oh my oh. God, this is... <laughs> it's the only sequel I want. <laughs> well, I've got a final question for you. Yay. We finally got to know more about the products sold at Southern Manors this week. Oh. Champagne coupes shaped like peaches, fruit balls shaped like fruit, and gingham skirts. Mm. <laughs> I totally get that it's some people's vibe. It's fine. It's cute. It's just definitely not mine. <laughs> and it made me wonder if there's a piece of clothing that you might have worn in the past that you're totally embarrassed by now. Something cringeworthy. I'm actually, I'm going to take your question and I'm going to morph it. <laughs> okay. It's not necessarily a piece of clothing, but I would like to apologize for my hair. My hairstyles oh. throughout the years. When I go back and see photos of what I've done with my hair. I want to see those photos. They are special. Oh, wow. So I guess, like, that's pretty cringeworthy for me. And because, you know, I was going to say, actually, I, I used to always wear leggings and an oversized shirt from, like, a, a musical that I was in. But now I've just swapped out the oversized musical shirt for just regular oversized shirts, and I still wear that outfit. So, like, I actually really can't be that embarrassed Nothing's by it. Nothing's changed. <laughs> what about yours? Well, mine is way worse than yours. Oh. I'm from, I'm from Texas, y'all. So I had a, I'm pretty sure it was from Target, too. I had a hot pink and black cow-patterned hat <laughs> that I used to wear when I was in high school. Maybe oh, in school high, high school. school even. Hot Pink and black. So it would be like black splotches and where the cow is white, it was hot pink. And it was furry. It was like fuzzy. No. It was like a furry hat. Yeah. Was mm -hmm. it like a cowboy I, hat? Like did it have the full rim? Like what was the shape of the hat? It like had a brim, but it was more <laughs> of like a floppy-ish hat. Not like a big, <laughs> you know, like hipsters wear now or like bohemian, you know, that, that style. Just like a floppy hat. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that sounds pretty terrible. Do you have photos of this? I'm sure. Do you they have photos exist. of yourself in this? I don't know that I have them. My mom certainly has them, and they're horrifying. I think we should share those on our Insta. You know what? If you'll share a Please hair share. photo, I will share a hat photo. Fully embarrassing. Oh, that—that's gingham skirt level. Okay. 
hot pink cow hat. Hot pink fuzzy cow hat. All right, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening. We love hearing from you all. So if you think of a detail we might have missed, a question you want to ask, or something you want to recommend, hey, hit us up on the gram. That's a thing. And I have to give a special shout out to our treasured listener, Adrian Orozco, who sent me the entirety of one of his favorite book series this week. Thank you, Adrian. I can't wait to read them. So sweet. I can't believe we're already announcing our last book for season two. I know. (laughs) For the month of November, we'll be reading Live Your Life by Amanda Klutz, co-host of The Talk, fitness instructor, and Broadway dancer. Her raw and vulnerable memoir is the story of loving and losing her husband, former Broadway actor Nick Cordero, due to COVID in 2020. It's going to be a heavy one, but we are going to have our mommy Mariana back with us for this one. So just in time. We can't wait. For part one, we'll be reading to the end of chapter four. Stay tuned on our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out what the first cocktail pairing for this book will be so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's it's always happy happy hour hour here. here. Go free your wife upstairs. Oh, yeah, she's still loud. Quiet, wife. <laughs> Let her out of there. <laughs> oh, God. Ricardo, Ricardo looks at you like, what? <laughs> Ricardo's We're going to get in upstairs. trouble for this. <laughs> <laughs> when he doesn't make cocktails that we like, I lock him up. More fireball, Ricardo. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.